This is Jewish Board Talk with Sheree Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Same Time Next Year is a comic play that focuses on two happily married people, but just not to each other. George and Doris meet for a romantic weekend tryst at a B&B once every year for 25 years. Multi-award winning actor and comedian Alan Kamati teams up with celebrated stage and screen actress Sharon Spiegel-Wagner to portray George and Doris respectively. Both are my guests now to tell me more. Alan and Sharon, welcome and thanks Hello. for joining me. What a delight. This yeah. is a beautiful studio. Honestly, for the listeners at home, it's the size of a broom closet and I'm actually <laughs> sitting on Sharice's lap, which yeah. I find very uncomfortable initially, but she's made me feel welcome. That she's delightful. <laughs> it's just Sharon's um, dagger eyes and yeah. I'm just worried about it. <laughs> oh no, she, that's she's, a look she's she... sitting on your lap. Is yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a Jenga puzzle, isn't it? Basically, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So the tryst is growing and growing and growing. <laughs> actually, there's a trampoline in the corner that I've been I I want to ask yeah. about that, but it's yeah. not, you know, maybe yeah. this is a Jewish yeah. thing. I don't know. It's not for me to ask. <laughs> what a pleasure. Thank you for having us. It's yeah. an absolute pleasure to have you. Uh, I've got to start off by saying this play was written in 1975 yeah. and is set in 1951. Mm. Yeah. Do you think it's dated or do you think by virtue of the fact that it was already pre-written in olden yes. times, it doesn't matter? So, so uh, first of all, we need to know that it was uh, a huge award-winning hit on Broadway. Uh, for many years. And, um, and so, uh, the reason Peter Turin and I f- took a look at it, uh, to read, to, to reprise it was because of its success. It was one of the longest running comedies on Broadway. But we also got permission to update it. So you're quite right. Uh, the original production is set over a 25 year period between 1951 and 75. We've updated it starting in 1976 and it ends in 2001. Uh-huh. We've kept the script the same, but we've updated all the references and the period. Uh, we meet, we meet this beautiful couple every five years over 25 years. Mm. And so we've updated it and that makes it still a period piece, but now all the references are stuff that most of us remember. Um, so we've got references to, for example, the Gulf War and George Bush and 80s music and mm. the Spice Girls, etc. Yeah, it's a so girl power. It makes a lot of fun. So it's not dated. No, no I don't think so. And in fact, if you know, by the reviews and, and the comments from audiences, that's one of the pleasures of this is that it does feel a lot more relevant. Uh, the story is timeless. You know, yes. it's a it's an interesting one. Yes. So the story is timeless. I was preparing for the interview and I saw a quote by Bernard Slade who wrote it. Yes, and he said he was amazed how to take an off. Internationally, uh, yes. and that you know, people kind of how many people were actually having affairs. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. so we should say, I mean, Sharon will jump in here, but uh, the play is actually not about the affair. No. You know, that's the the the, the starting point. Yeah, that's the, the situation. Exactly. Yeah. But essentially, this play is about connection and friendship and companionship and growing older. And and one of the reasons when I uh, first approached Sharon and we've been wanting to work together for ages is to say to her, I think this play is right for now. To come back to your original question, because after three years of a terrible pandemic where we've all been living in isolation and disconnection, this is a beautiful play that reminds us that our relationship to each other, whether it's with family or friends or lovers or children, that relationship and that connection and the specificity around that is what informs the the pleasures and the delights of our lives. And this play reminds us that, yes, 
you might be in a slightly tricky situation. We've, we've been told by a lot of audiences, we love these characters despite their situation because they make their marriages better by the connection they form over their friendship of 25 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I think also forgiving the taboo and rather, you know, allowing it to, to see for its purity, which is a friendship and a connection and based in something that's real, really fun and, uh, and genuine, you sort of start to eliminate the pressure or the edge of that taboo and also to realize that everybody's human at the end of the day. And the, the thing is, is that these two people, George and Doris, find themselves in a, in a, in an interesting situation. It's not as if this is why I thought it was so interesting. I wanted to tell you, Al, actually, so because we have notes every day. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> why I wanted to say is um, it's not as if these two people were searching for each other. They stumbled into each other, and that's what happens with human beings. We stumble into each other. We connect with everybody. And when we remove some of the taboos about it and you just see that it's a really innocent connection, obviously you get past all the all the naughty bits, but it's uh, it's quite wonderful to see how they grow together and evolve together and, yes, actually make their lives and themselves a bit better. They have a little bubble, you know, and often we, we're on our grind, you know, on the highway and we keep going and we keep everything in place. And But sometimes it's nice to t- they take a little off-ramp and they meet and they just connect and then go back to their lives, which is, it's very heartwarming. I mean, I know a friend of mine actually burst into tears when we went, when we walked out. She said, it's so real. Yeah. It's so honest and it's, and the writing is wonderful. It's very earnest. And that's why it was so easy to update it. So even though Ellen's saying we updated it period-wise and all those types of things, a lot of the content of the words and how they are placed together are timeless. This is something that you'll understand 20 years ago or in 20 years' time. But the genius of Bernard Slade is that he used to write for sitcoms. He's written a number of other plays, and he understands structure and comedy. And so the play doesn't sit in any of the tragedy or the heavy consequence of it. It sits in the joy of connection. And there's a lot of zingy one-liners and fun situations. There's some physical comedy. And then there are moments of deep heart and connection that kind of take an audience by surprise. And who doesn't today, you know, if you think about the most popular shows on Netflix or any of the streaming platforms, they're the ones that have pace and excitement, but they have heart. And I think we're looking for that at the moment. We want to have big big laughs and a feel-good feel. Mm. And um, you, both of you are larger-than-life characters. <laughs> um, you're, you, you're passionate about what you do. Yeah, very much so. Yet you follow on however many years of people performing this role. Yeah. Mm. Is it intimidating or is it refreshing? Well, for me, I've, I've been lucky enough to do a number of productions where that's been true. I, you know, a couple of years ago in Cape Town, I, I was I could do a production of Richard III. Now, that has a string of from, you know, Laurence Olivier famously in the 50s through Anthony Scher, through Kenneth Brandt, etc. So that for me was – and I had to get over that. And I think subsequently whenever I've come to one of these classic texts, I've gone, well, here's a chance to do it our way. And by our way, I mean with a South African sensibility, with our talent and skill set and production teams. We don't have to. The joy of theatre is that every time an audience meets a production, it is for that night. Never mind for that run. It's for that night. What is the energy that exists between that group of people who've chosen to leave their homes and that set of actors and production values? And what is the magic that happens on that one night? Mm. So I take away all of that uh, intimidation factor and I say, here's a chance to obviously you want to do it as well as you can. You're trying to maintain a level of, of high quality. But we're doing it our way, and, and what's been joyous is the response, the warm response we've received for it. Mm. Uh, Sharon, do you want to comment on that? Well, for me, um, I think, yeah, I, I think I sort of just 
you know, hop on. To, I can't speak now. It's so, you speak so eloquently. Um, no, I think that, um, it's interesting that, uh, you think about the other people that have possibly played the part and sometimes you do your research and sort of spy on what they're doing and see if you can maybe copy or take a few things. But at the end of the, I've learned in my career, you know, of late that the more genuine, the more it's rooted in what I understand as reality and what is truth for myself, the more that I can bring to, to that person in that situation. The lucky here is that I'm working with Alan, is that he's an actor that works, he's an extraordinary actor who works also with the organic energy. He didn't walk into the room saying, you must play it like this person played it or like, he walked into the room saying, well, what, what can we do with this? Let's play. We've got a toolbox now. You are an actress. You have your resources. I'm an actor. I have my resources. How can we make this happen together? And the power of what George has brought is the power that Doris has brought. So for me, um, we've worked so beautifully together and we've made this a very original piece for only Alan and I. And I'm very proud of it. It's a, it's a top quality piece of work. So, um, also it's up to everybody else outside to decide what version uh, of, of yeah. the, of that character or the play that they prefer. And that's not my job. My job is to be as true and as authentic and sincere in the moment and be there for my other partner. Does it worry you that people may have seen Alan Alder and therefore are expecting no, it something? No, it doesn't worry me at all. I think it's exciting to me to see things progress, to see things evolve. And I think the danger, the danger is in being stuck in a version mm. that you, that you believe in, in even our version of ourselves. If you think about it, if you are stuck so much with something, it's wonderful to advocate for something, but you have to be open-minded. Otherwise, we're not going to grow and we're not going to change and we're not going to go, oh, that's different. I didn't think of it like that. And, oh, I listened to it a bit more when she said that way. It's just interesting to me. And, and the pure history of playwrights and, and great classic plays, you know, from Death of a Salesman to any of the David Hares or Tom Stoppards, is that they can be done over and over again because they're universally brilliant themes and, and written plays, but with different actors, different productions, different concepts. And each time you can take something else of it. And of course you might say, I preferred the 77 production. I loved the 2006 production. That actor was good, but I preferred, but that's pleasant. That's great. Mm. You know, there's a joy in that. And, and again, as I think Sharon brilliantly says, our job is not to live with your uh, opinion ultimately. Mm. That's, it's like creating a beautiful piece of art. I can only create the piece of art. Then it's up to you how you receive it. Mm. Some are going to love it. Some are going to question it. Some are going to hate it. That's your opinion. Mm. But I, I have to find my own joy in creating the work. Alan, you said something about South African, mm. South Africanism. Mm. Yes. And I think we have such talent in this mm. country and such a passion for who we are and what we are in spite of all Absolutely. The, the problems. And I just wondered if you felt the South African audience is unique in certain ways. I do think that. Uh, I think that we're, you know, as a stand-up comic, and for those who don't know, I also do a lot of stand-up comedy. I've always been intrigued, having performed in uh, a lot of England, uh, across the States. Um, yeah, some friends arrived here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and performed. Awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this play is becoming more interesting. Um, having performed so much around the world and seen other audiences, and yes, they're delightful. The thing about our audience is, because of the stressful circumstances we live in, yeah. we are quick to laugh and we recognize the power of humor and subverting our situations and seeing the lighter side. And we're unbelievably resilient, resilient. as a people. Yes. And so because of that, we have great sense of humor. Now, as a goy, let me say <laughs> this is true of uh, Jewish people as well. It's part of the reason why the tribe is such a delightful a lover of comedy and mm. comedy plays. Yeah. And it's beautiful to play in those kind of things. So I think South African audiences are super tuned in 
to looking at life in different ways and trying to find the best out of it. Because we know we go home, we might not have power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have to say that uh, what what is apparent to us is that there's not enough of a South African audience. And that scares me a lot, you Mm. know, in terms of the fact that we sit down and the amount of power and, and, you know, resources and, uh, you know, things that go on behind to actually put something on. It's very easy for someone to sit down and take almost take advantage. And that's okay. That's what Mm. you're supposed to do. You're supposed to just, you know, go Right into, but don't forget, you know, this is this is creating jobs. This is creating art. This is creating something that you have to go out and you have to sit down and see. And we need audiences to come and watch and watch what we are doing. You don't have to go to London yeah, or America no, to see good no. theatre. And, and sometimes it's actually amazing to take that break out when you do have lunch mm, and get somewhere where you can spend two hours, you yep. know, yeah. three Taking hours, out yes. taking out of your own like yes. frustration. Yes. There are generators at the Peter Terrain. Yes, yes. You may go out. I find some of the best comedy is on stage when the lights go out. Absolutely. (laughs) Listen, you're absolutely right. And and the notion of... We've got used to, and perhaps post-COVID, that's also true. We got used to being at home and mm. streaming everything. But there is nothing like a connection. No. Sitting in an audience of two or 300 people around you, everyone laughing or responding in a similar fashion to something, is an immediate sense of collegiality. It brings you, it's it a makes transcendent you, experience. Yeah, and it makes you feel like you're part of a, a bigger community. You don't have that at home, sitting with no. your husband or wife or kids, yeah. in a, or on your own, watching yeah. something on TV. As much as you're enjoying it, you don't feel like you're part of a bigger thing. I, ch- I really challenge all the listeners. To next time you go to the theater, which is same time next year, because we're on for one more week, you sit down and afterwards just document how you feel about the entire experience, even if you whether you liked it or not. The entire experience actually yeah. engage with the senses, yeah. what I saw, what I heard, what I smelled, mm. what I touched, all of those things, yeah. and then compare it to how it is at home to watch. I'm not saying don't watch Netflix. I'm a Netflix whore, but <laughs> please do take into account how it actually filters into your body. It's a different experience. It's a magical, transcendent experience. Truly. So I agree with you, okay? I also want to pick up on what you said about every performance is unique. Mm. And mm. both of you are really experienced actors, actresses. Yeah, Alan more so, yes. Um, <laughs> is there something in an audience that makes it good or different? Does it matter if it's opening night, closing night? Oh, it does. Oh. And, uh, and there's so many factors Should that come into this. <laughs> Listen, I, I was a teacher, a qualified high school teacher, and I taught for seven or eight years. And I always liken it to a classroom. Mm-hmm. A gr- any group of people, any group from 15 to 20, 25 people will take on a personality as a group, mm. which is fascinating. Group With, think. Yeah, exactly. Within seconds, if there's a couple of people who love to ask questions, it becomes that inquisitive class. Mm. If it's a comp- couple of unruly buggers who like to play around, it becomes the difficult mm. class. If it's a, and, and an audience is the same. You only need one or two people to enter a room, maybe a couple who've had a proper fight and continue to spat in the, that quickly spreads to the people around them and suddenly the room feels a little bit tenser. Mm. If you've had a good Springbok game, the audience comes in with a big smile. If we've had a tough game, it affects our audience. It affects Alan. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the truth is we as performers, Meet that energy And our task is to just play Never fight it The energy is the energy Whatever comes our way Is what it is Likewise what we bring to the stage We might have had I might have had a tough day Or Sharon's had a tough day With her kids And she comes to the, She's a little bit tired We don't fight that energy You take that energy And like all energy It's transformed into something else And you create a synergy Between the two of us And the third character In our two-hander Which is the audience Correct. And that show then 
becomes specific to that night. A Wednesday night is different to a Friday night at the really? end of the night, which is different to a Saturday yeah. night after a rugby game, which is different to a Sunday afternoon after lunch, and it's a bit postprandial, and we, we feel a bit snoozy. All of those audiences, good word, postprandial. Yeah. <laughs> all <laughs> of those energies are different. And for me, that's the delight. Because ah. I can watch a show three or four times and have a very different experience yeah. each time. So I have to say this. People have asked me ad nauseum, how can you go on stage and do the same show every night? And on that, it is a different show every single mm. night because I get to meet a different audience every single night. And, quite, and Alan's quite right. And that is the delight. So whatever we get, we use. And obviously, we, we keep to the text. The words are the same, but the energy is different. And every yeah. time the energy is different, it's more and more exciting. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Last question. No. Having people in your audience that you know, <laughs> does that impact positively or negatively? Uh, you go first, though. <laughs> uh, it, I, think over the, I think when I first started, I would get very nervous, um, wanting to please, especially if there were people of influence in my life or people who had some power, you know, other directors or actors. But as I've got on, I, I now recognize that. In fact, Sharon said it outside before we came in. The, the, the joy for us is the playing on the stage mm. and, and doing the work. And hopefully you're going to uh, – Alan Rickman, the brilliant actor who passed away a couple of years ago, mm. he said a beautiful thing just before he passed. He said, I wish I could sew on every costume of every character I've ever played. I promise you I'm not deliberately trying to stuff this up. <laughs> you know, uh, We're just trying to do our best. Whether you receive it favorably or not is, yeah. is fine. That's yeah. good. That's the nature of all art and television and books. Yes. But we're trying to do our best. We're hoping you're going to enjoy it. And therefore, if you're in the audience, whether you're a good friend or you know, a stranger, it doesn't bother me anymore. anymore. Mm, that's, yeah. that's the honest truth. No, I, I have to. I'm synonymous with that. Yeah. I used to worry I don't anymore. So um, just to quote Peter uh, Turin, what a delight to reintroduce today's audience to one of the classic Broadway comedies. In our current climate, a night of laughter and heart is exactly what our audience is looking for. It is currently on at the Peter Turin Theatre at Monte Cassino for a limited run until the 8th of October. Tickets are through the theatre or web tickets. Alan and Sharon, thank you so much for joining me. Thank, thank you so Sharice. much.